0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we speak with Chiefs All-Pro Travis Kelsey as he breaks down the big matchup this Monday night against the Las Vegas Raiders, as well as his new partnership with Tide. Also, we do another check-in with this week in Chiefs press conferences for the latest sound heading into Monday night. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Week 4 victory over the Buccaneers?
1: I feel like every week I say, well, it'd probably be easier for me to name things that didn't stand out. <laughs> this week it feels especially true. because um, there's just so much to like about what the team did on offense, defense, and special teams. There's just there's no way to cover it all, right? <laughs> like I, I would I would have to go on for like two hours in this podcast to cover just everything. But uh, I'm gonna hone in on the defensive side of the ball in this one though, because I mean, specifically, the run defense and what's been going on in the trenches, like that—that's something that Chiefs fans have wanted for a very long time, and I feel like we're now just seeing it all kind of come to fruition. I mean, they were really commanding both sides of the ball uh, in the trenches, but I mean, man, they just absolutely lambasted the Bucks' offensive line in the run game. And admittedly, the Buccaneers had some injuries there, and yes, Tom Brady was forced to throw the ball a lot because of an early, you know, ten point uh lead for, for Kansas City. But I mean, every time they tried to run, the Chiefs just shut it down. Um, Leonard Fournette, he finished the game with three carries for negative three rushing yards. I think that is the worst stat line he's put up in his entire career running the football. Um and in total, I mean the Bucks carried the ball six times for three yards. Like, that's tied for the lowest rushing total against the Chiefs in franchise history. You have to go all the way back to the 1960s to find the last time they were able to hold someone, uh, a team, under uh, four yards. So, and it's also the fewest rushing attempts ever against the Chiefs. Six attempts. So, and this isn't like a one-game anomaly either, right? Like... I mean, sure, this stood out, like, overwhelming because of, you know, the record-breaking numbers and what have you uh, in this particular game. But, like, right now they're leading the NFL, allowing just, like, 65, I think it's just over 65, 65. 65.8 rushing yards per game. So, they haven't, and they haven't exactly faced, like, a bad group of running backs either. It's not like they're going up against, like, backups every week. Like, James Conner. Austin Eckler, 2021's NFL rushing leader, Jonathan Taylor. Leonard Fournette, who's, like, tackling a train head-on. I mean, and also, look, they're they're missing Willie Gay Jr., who's, like, one of their best linebackers uh, for the past two games. And they're doing this. So, I mean, part of it has to do with Chris Jones playing some of the best football of his career. Like, the trenches have been extremely good. Very consistent. Derek um... Colin Saunders is playing extremely well. Tershawn Wharton is doing a fine job. Like, they're they're just playing lights out there. Um, but really, the entire defense, they're swarming to the football. Like, I think you're seeing the benefits of adding more athleticism to the defense, both on the defensive line and in the second level. And, um, you know, we're really seeing what this defense, what this next iteration of it is going to look like. And one of the things they're going to be good at they're going to be good at stopping the run. Um, and, and I expect this to persist. I mean, we're looking this week going up against one of the NFL's teams that really their offense, like the Raiders' offense, goes through the ground game. Josh Jacobs, like him going over 100 yards usually means that team is going to win. That's what happened last week. So if the Chiefs can shut that down and force, you know, Derek Carr to have to go out there and throw the ball around the field um, – think it's going to be a tough day for Las Vegas
0: are you surprised at how effective the running game was against Tampa
1: yeah honestly I was expecting the Chiefs to have a really hard time running the ball like Vita Vea is one of the best and most athletic defensive tackles in the league they've got crazy talent at the linebacker position in Devin White and Levante David but hey I mean Andy Reid came out and he challenged the offensive line to be better than they had been and they definitely answered that challenge I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire even said, like, after the game that, like, the running back room heard that, too. Like, even though Andy Reid kind of directly challenged the the trenches, like, the running back room felt it, too. They were like, hey, we're part of this problem. We're part of the reason the run game hasn't been great, you know, in week three and earlier in the season. And then you see Clyde and Isaiah Pacheco coming out and running hard and, and, like, successfully, So, I mean, specifically with Pacheco, too, I was really impressed with what I saw from him in week four. I mean, obviously, he was struggling early, you know, preseason in the season with some, like, vision stuff and following his blocks. But he's starting to get, like, a better feel for cutbacks and how to effectively follow his blockers, but also, you know, find that opening and and get a shot to, to have a big play. It's allowing him to run with more confidence. And I think you saw that this past week. And I think you're only going to see more of that moving forward. I I really think that, you know, Clyde Edwards Lair, Isaiah Pacheco, those are going to be your your one-two punch moving forward. You're going to see Edwards Lair get the, you know, first carries of the game. Like, he's still going to be the guy. But, like, on the next series, they're going to put Pacheco in there. And they're going to just alternate. And, you know, maybe they'll end up, you know, in a situation where it's like, hey, let's ride the hot hand here. Um, And and then I think you're going to see McKinnon contribute on third downs because he's their best pass protector, really good catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, So I think, you know, third and long, you're going to see him in there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the run game this past week, if they can keep doing that against teams that are really good stopping the run, like Tampa, like this team is going to be unstoppable unstoppable. You combine it with Patrick Mahomes' playmaking ability and defenses are just going to have no way to defend it. They're going to come up and stack the box and, you know, you have Pacheco running, ripping off eight-yard runs against a eight-man box. Like, uh, and, you know, you can have Patrick Mahomes set up the play action, the big plays. I, I think it's going to be really good for this team
0: moving forward. What do you think has changed in Legerious Snead's game to lead to his hot start?
1: I'm not sure anything has changed, really. I I think it's just about, like, time for him, right? I mean, as a rookie, he comes in, he's playing outside corner, week one starter in place of, uh, uh, what's his face, Um, Brashad Breeland, who was suspended, I believe. Um, and, And then he gets hurt, comes back, he's playing nickel for the first time. And he's really learning that position, right? Because remember, he didn't have a normal rookie year because of COVID-19. So then you fast forward to last season, and he had a really tough time. Like, he dealt with some injury stuff, but then he lost his brother in the middle of the season. And, uh, you know, missed a couple couple weeks because of that. And I think it was mentally and physically just a challenging year for Snead. And this year, I think he's been able to put all that stuff kind of behind him and put his best foot forward he's he's more comfortable playing like the nickel corner position which you know andy reed kind of said it best this last week you gotta be part safety part cornerback part linebacker and uh he's kind of got more comfortable in that role after you know playing safety in college like coming and playing outside corner and, and now he's still playing a bit of outside corner too i mean he obviously rotates back between nickel and, and the outside but um and you know obviously he's healthy he's in a better space mentally. So I, I think that's all important, and it has kind of a tangible impact on, on his success on the field and on any player's success on the field. Like, that stuff matters. Um, you know, how how you're able to to learn and kind of put everything all together and, you know, the different things that are going on inside the game, outside the game, all of it has an impact and matters. So I, I think we're really just seeing this year that that Sneed's putting it all together um, and doesn't have a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of external stuff or, or things, uh, injuries, stuff like that, that are, that are impacting him uh, at this time.
0: Are you surprised anymore by Patrick Mahomes' spectacular plays or milestones?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but I also haven't come to expect it, right? Like, you, you just don't want to take that stuff for granted and be like, oh, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to do you know something crazy every week, or you know, he's going to break a record every week. I mean, as a lifelong Chiefs fan myself, I have lived through a lot of the quarterback strife that this team has put up with over the years. And I've heard from my family, also Chiefs fans, about the stuff that happened before I was born. Uh, and obviously running the site, researching it and, and whatnot. But, I mean, I just didn't. I enjoy it. I enjoy what Patrick Mahomes is doing out there on the football field. Like, he's, he's almost ruined watching other NFL football for me. And I'm sure, like, I'm not the only one who feels that way. Like you get a few wow plays here and there from from Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, so on, all these, you know, good upcoming quarterbacks, but like nothing compares to what Mahomes does with regularity on the football field. And I'm not just saying that as like a, a Chiefs fan or someone who covers the team. Like like nothing compares. He 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 yeah, you know, football watching world is wowed when he does some of the stuff that he does. And when he's in the zone, I mean, there's just – there's nothing like it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised, but, man, I, I'm just – I'm soaking up every minute of this and enjoying it. And I encourage everyone else to do the same. Like, don't don't concern yourself too much about the little things. Just enjoy what this man is doing on the football field because this is rare. It does not come around often in the NFL. It certainly hasn't come around often for this franchise, so enjoy it. Please enjoy it. So, uh, Chiefs Wire podcast, uh, uh, Chiefs Wire mailbag, um, Susan writes, how would you evaluate the Chiefs rookies after the first quarter of the season? I mean, this class has been really, really good so far uh, in terms of just instant impact. Like, really, there are two guys that haven't contributed much so far of the 10 players they drafted, and that's uh, Nazee Johnson, seventh rounder, uh, Darian Kinnard, who's, what, he was fifth rounder. But, I mean, Johnson was uh, elevated to the 53 man roster, and he got some special team sm- snaps this past week, so he's on the up and up. Um, I guess if I had to, like, lump guys into tiers, you'd have, like, the starting tier. So that that's going to be Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Jalen Watson. Like, those guys have been uh, the starters so far. Obviously, McDuffie on injured reserve. He'll be back and starting eventually. I don't think Watson's going to be going anywhere. He's performed well enough that, that he should be one of the three guys out there, um, possibly over Rashad Fenton. Um, but we'll see. We'll see on that one. But then, you know... After that, let's go to, like, the sub-package tier. Guys who are getting snaps but not on the field, you know, every down. So, Leo Chanel, Brian Cook. I'm putting those two guys in, in the sub-package tier. Like, base defense, Chanel's out there. Brian Cook's out there in the dime. He, he replaced this past week when Justin Reed had to go out to get uh, evaluated for a concussion. He came in, replaced Justin Reed. Um... Then I, I'm gonna have the role player tier, so I'm gonna say Isaiah Pacheco, Sky Moore. Like these guys have potential to be starters in the future, but right now I think they're just they're they're gonna play their roles within the offense uh, until they have an opportunity to be more than that. So Isaiah Pacheco, he's gonna alternate I think after this next week with Clyde Edwards-Helaire on first and second down. Sky Moore, I think he's going to get more involved, especially when they're running those RPOs, when they want someone on the field to run that slant route because he's really good at getting open, getting yards on that play. And then I think there are four guys who are special teams slash developmental pieces, okay? That would be Kennard, uh, Johnson. We already talked about those two. Then Joshua Williams, who's mostly played special teams to this point. Uh, I think he's, you know, obviously developmental piece, coming from D2 uh, HBCU school, needs some time. And then there's Jack Cochran, who's been really good on special teams, and uh, they feel comfortable enough with him to have him kind of as the game day backup uh, at two of their linebacker spots. So I get the sense that that he's someone who's going to play a role in the future here as well. So And, and, you know, we're going to see more of Pacheco, more Cook, those guys moving forward. Um, All of them looked really comfortable last week. And overall, I guess I just get the sense that this is a really solid draft class and one that will be, like, foundational for these next four seasons as the team looks to keep their run of dominance alive in the AFC West and, you know, just in the NFL in general. And uh, if they can continue to perform as they have so far, I think it's going to just – we're going to look back at this one and it's going to be a really special draft class. Lewis writes – when can Lucas Nyang and Trent McDuffie return to line up for Kansas City? Right, so great timing uh, on this question, Lucas. Uh, it, so the Chiefs can actually decide to open um, Lucas Nyang's 21-day practice window on Thursday when they return to practice. I mean, technically they could have opened it on Monday, but they're not, they're not back at practice yet. So no point in starting it until they're back at practice. Um, whether they do that or not kind of remains to be seen. It all just depends on how healthy he is and where he's at in like the rehab and recovery process. Like You don't want to start the practice window too early because if you do, those 21 days elapse and he's not ready to come back, then the team has to place him on season-ending injured reserve. Um, I know the team was aiming for like a late training camp return, but they opted to put him on the reserve PUP list, gives him a little more time, extra four weeks, um, and, and the patellar tendon injuries, I mean, those are, those are tough for the big guys. So I'm not really surprised that they were a little cautious there. I mean, obviously they had the depth and felt comfortable doing that. Um, so we'll, we'll see on, on Lucas. He could be back this week, could be back next week, could be a while. We'll, we'll just see. Then for McDuffie, um, he still has one more week before the Chiefs can start his practice window. Right? So he went on after week one, so they still they, they need those four weeks. I get the sense that they could start him on that practice window as early as next week, but I don't think they're going to rush him back for, for week six against the Bills, as big as that game is. I mean, if he's ready, great, but I don't get the sense they're going to push it uh, given how well Jalen Watson has played so far. I wouldn't be shocked, though, you know, if we didn't see McDuffie... Until week nine, when the Chiefs face the Titans, like if they wanted to drag this out, make sure that he is perfect, one hundred percent healthy. Like that week nine game, that that's the the length they could do it if they started his window as early as week six.
0: And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week?
1: Man, so so much good stuff on Chiefs Wire this week. I'm so I'm so proud of our team as I always am. But uh, just. Great post-game content uh, from the big win over the Buccaneers. Lots of stuff looking at player performances, some of the biggest plays of the game. Um, on a lighter note, we've got some of the stuff up about Andy Reid's State Farm commercial with Patrick Mahomes. Which, if you haven't seen it, search it out. It is hilarious. Then, um, if you're not reading Wes's special teams film studies, like you're you're missing out. I say this like every week, but they are really really incredible. You'll learn something. ...about special teams play and how important it can be to uh, winning a game. His brother, Nick Roche, uh, also has been doing our weekly game plan articles. So if you're kind of looking into how the Chiefs can take advantage on offense and on defense with their upcoming matchup, um, I would take a look at that. Um, We'll have plenty of preview content coming your way starting today and through the weekend... So keep an eye out for all of that stuff. As always, we appreciate you guys uh, for, for tuning in, reading the website, supporting our work. We couldn't do this without Chiefs Kingdom and their support. You know what we say now. You know what we say. Go Chiefs!
0: Hey Travis, how's it going? And uh, first of all, I just want to say happy birthday, man. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you.
2: It's going good, man. It's a- It's a beautiful birthday
0: when you get a win. Oh, definitely. I understand that. Uh, I'm Ed Easton Jr. from Chiefs Wire. And, um, you know, just like we were saying, we want to jump into um, talking about your great partnership with Tide. And uh, you guys are are doing something where you're busting the myth that lucky jerseys don't need to be washed. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? 100%, man.
2: I'm teaming up with Tide to tackle superstition. And uh, we all know everybody has those jerseys or the lucky uh, clothing items that they just don't want to wash because they don't want to wash the luck off. And uh, we're here to tell you that uh, you don't have to worry about that anymore. man. With Tide Hygienic Clean and Tide Pods, uh, you can wash all day long and still keep that lucky uh, feel to that jersey and all the luck on it. And um, yeah, we're also teaming up to give away huge prizes. Uh, grand prize, uh, who knows what it could be? It could be Super Bowl tickets. It could be um, fun at Top Golf. It could be anything. Uh, but make sure you go on my social media on uh, either TikTok or Instagram and comment on the on the Tide post what you would do to wash your jersey with Tide Hygienic Clean. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Ya. We'll see what everybody can come up with.
0: Obviously, that sounds amazing, and uh, you were talking about like the whole lucky jersey and people saying about how you know that whole myth about cleaning them. What about your own superstitions? Uh, can you uh, at least describe some of those you have some before or maybe after a game?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have too many superstitions. I would say that if there is one, I I, I wear a wristband on my left arm. Uh, because of the, the COVID year. The COVID year was uh, 2020. I had the best statistical season uh, of my career that year. And um, that whole offseason and, uh, and training camp and all the practices that we went through, I would wear a wristband with a tracer in it, a uh, tracker in it, so that it, you could uh, track um, close uh, contact between all the players. And uh, I would get into the game, and I didn't have to wear it on my arm in the game because it was in my pads. Well, I felt naked on my arms because I was so used to always wearing that wristband. So I threw it on, and that's about as close as it gets for me in terms of superstition. I, uh, I wore that wristband, and I had the best career season uh, for uh, for myself. So I kind of kept that thing rolling
0: uh, after that year. That's really cool. I, I like that. You just uh, something like that to keep it. Uh, whatever boost helps, you know, so uh, that's definitely really cool. Um, just even building on that, uh, what are your thoughts just recently uh, becoming n- number five all time on a tight end leaderboards for receiving yards? Is that, like, how's that hit you now, knowing that you're in elite company?
2: Oh, man, it's, um, honestly, the it, it was an honor to be in sixth place, man. Um, to be a, on a list with all those greats um, is pretty, pretty epic. It's pretty pretty cool and i um i can't really put it into words but i uh i know that um you know being on that list and uh, and seeing how much further down the road uh, tony gonzalez is uh it seems like he's a lifetime away from me catching him and i've been trying to fill his shoes my entire career so um still got a long long way to go before i'm uh i'm i'm anywhere near him uh but it, it, it is uh unbelievable company and uh, I'm, I'm definitely
0: honored to be a part of that Definitely well-deserved, and uh, speaking of just tight ends and how the position has changed so much, uh, you are one of the founders of Tight End University, and it's been such an influence in all the uh, different tight ends around the league. Uh, I do want to specifically point out the tight ends for the Chiefs, and uh, Noah Gray and uh, Jody Fortson, off the fast starts this year. Uh, I believe you guys all reached the end zone in your last game. Can you talk about... Yeah, can you talk about your uh, mentorship in, in the process and a little of that tight end university rub, um, rubbing off in regards to the team? Um,
2: yeah, I guess you could say that. We, um, we're very fortunate to have an awesome tight end room. Uh, our coach, Tom Melvin, does a great job of kind um, of kinda keeping us uh, all in line, knowing that we all have big personalities and we all love to go out there and play the game. Um, so just controlling that and, uh, controlling the creativity that we all may have, uh, is definitely the hardest part, but, um, we, uh, we, like I said, we have a great tight end room. Uh, we even have a fourth tight end in uh, in Blake Bell that we're, uh, we're hoping to get back before the season's over with. And, um, as long as we're, uh, we're scoring touchdowns, uh, as a group, every single game, I think we're going to keep winning football games.
0: I definitely hear that. And uh, just moving on to some of the stuff you've done like off the field, uh, you just launched a podcast with your brother, uh, Jason. Uh, with the success already with the New Heights podcast, has this fueled some interest in doing more broadcasting in the future, possibly even after your uh, career ends?
2: Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me and my brother was to, to do something uh, that we both enjoyed, um, which is uh, sitting down and just, uh, just having a fun conversation. Um, he's an unbelievable storyteller, and uh, I, uh, I I always you know like to keep it lighthearted, um, and fun. And sure enough, um, who knows where it goes from here? I think uh, I think the idea was to maybe have an opportunity uh, show up down the down the road, but um, right now we're having so much fun with the the, the New Heights show and uh, podcast that it's just um, you know, we're taking it one day at a time and enjoying it at uh, one episode at a time.
0: Okay, Travis, I got one more question for you. Obviously, you guys are heading into a big Monday night game against the Raiders, always a big rivalry game. What is the mindset of the team, knowing that you're going against the AFC West rival? Man, the AFC West,
2: the division is the first goal. You know, to win the division, you get in the playoffs and you extend your season. Um, so that's the this is the one of the big games throughout the year that we, uh, we circle. And uh, it being a huge rival at that point, um, you know, that gets everybody in the organization fired up. You know, that, 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 that there's always a little bit different buzz in the city uh, when we play the Raiders or, or the Broncos. And um, it's just, um, it's always a fun game. You know, you're going to get that other team's best shot because of the history and, um, and sure enough, how good of a team they
0: are this year. Travis, thank you for taking the time as a fellow Libra. I hope you enjoy the rest of your birthday and uh, looking forward to a big game on Monday. You know
2: it, brother. I appreciate it, man. All
0: right, take care. Uh,
3: coach, I, I, I guess I want to
1: phrase it this way: in in taking in what what last night was with Patrick Mahomes and you just being such a historian and, and lover of the, of the history of the game, how rare is it? to see some of the things that, that he's capable of and, you know, specifically referring to that floater to, to Clyde.
3: Yeah. You know, I, i tell you this, Pete, I mean, it's, uh, uh, I, I talked to the guys, but just uh, like I mentioned last night, just don't take it for granted. I mean, that's not, these things are, uh, they're special. Uh, some of these things we're seeing from him. And so appreciate them, but, Um, it's, you know, it's unique. So enjoy every one of them, but it's, it's, uh, it's not something that a lot of people have the advantage, you know, that advantage of, of being a part of. So, um, with that, I mean, that throw was incredible. The throw to Kelsey is the one that might get looked over a little bit down the middle of the field. I mean, that throw and that catch were ridiculous. Um. And there were a couple other ones in there that were really good. I mean, the, the one naked play where he kind of hung on to it on third down and threw it up to Juju. I mean, that was, that was another good one. So listen, I mean, he, he had a, he had a very good game and I, I know the stats show that and some of the things he's done historically, have, have, you know, uh, have, have made history and, and uh, will continue to do that. But, uh, the best thing about him is he's always trying to get better, and that's what I appreciate the most, Pete. I mean, he's not sitting there, you know, patting himself on the back. He, he keeps moving forward and wanting to get even better. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Andy. Um, you mixed up your running backs in games and from week to week in a way that I I can't remember you really doing since you've been here, except maybe when you've absolutely had to because of injuries.
1: So I'm just wondering, what are you using from week to week and within games to kind of pick and choose who the right guy is for what situation? And Brad, I'll have a second question
3: as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're getting to know number 10. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's growing right before our eyes. So I, um, we've spotted him in periodically just to uh, give him some experience and to see how he handled it. But we know Clyde can, you know, is good. One can play. I mean, they're, the, these guys are, um, they're all good. They're all talented. And so we're trying to, Greg does a good job of trying to work them in and in certain spots, but um, it, it's, it's a more of a learning experience with 10 and, the more you see, the more you, you utilize him and Clyde on, on the first downs and you know, one on the third downs. I mean, he's he does such a good job there. So, and, I mean, that's kind of where we were last night. I think that was pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned Pacheco. Um, what have you learned? You're, you're saying you get to know him, getting to know him. What have you learned about him, say, since the regular season started? Yeah, so we, in camp, you know, we saw, just like you did, we saw hard runner. Um, didn't necessarily – he was a hard runner. Right? He didn't necessarily have the field for the play. He was going to just run. <clears throat> Every week he's gotten a little bit better at understanding the play and and then running hard, setting up, then running hard, and finishing it. <clears throat> and then learning the pass game, and then most of all, learning the protections on top of all that. He's gotten better at all those things. And I, I would anticipate every week. You know, he'll he'll do even better. You saw he had a nice blitz, uh, blitz pickup during the game, and um, you know, so that's that's progress. That's that's a that's a good thing.
0: I want to take the time to thank my guest, Travis Kelsey, for spending part of his birthday with us and getting everyone ready for the big Monday night matchup against the Raiders. As always, if you would like to contact us or have any questions, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Chiefswire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.